and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I like to teach the world to sing. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Just the radio. I'm hung like Mac and Schlan and hard to see with the naked eye. But if I crashed into your rainus, I would stick it where the sun <laughs> I crashed into your rainus. Kind of like Han Solo, always stroking my own wolfie on the root of the me cook, yeah? But you can call me The roof. The roof. The roof. Hey, good evening. Welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2007. You know, Wolfman Jack used to start every show by howling into the microphone. Howling Wolfman Jack, they used to call him. He started out in pirate radio in Mexico, broadcasting into San Antonio, Texas. He was one of the very first pirates out there, riding the open waves with uh, cool music, colored music, Negro music, the kind of shit you couldn't get on the radio back in those days. Chuck Berry and Big Mama Thornton, the the origins of rock and roll. And uh, that's your history lesson for the day. Such a playlist we have for you, including Pro Call Harem and Squirrel Nut Zippers, 
and Savage Garden and Santana and the Cranberries and ELO and 10 Years After and, and Willie Nelson and so much more. Plus, we're going to take a close look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours. Hanging behind the glass this evening with the Lord of Sin. Good evening, Lord. Good evening, Jester. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Kicking back. Let's turn our attention to the headlines now. The House renewed the USA Patriot Act in a cliffhanger vote this evening, extended the centerpiece of the war on terrorism. At President Bush's urging, after months of political combat over the balance between privacy rights and the pursuit of potential terrorists, we've been talking about this um, Patriot Act. It's really just a, a bill, a group of laws that uh, rob Americans of their liberties, all because of the emergency conditions uh, caused by the war on terror. And, you know, leaders have used this uh, emergency conditions uh, bullshit uh, excuse since time immemorial to trick uh, people into giving up their liberty. It, of course, was a very popular tactic of uh, Adolf Hitler. Bush forced uh, by filibuster to accept new curbs on law enforcement investigations is expected to sign the legislation before 16 provisions of the 2001 law expire on Friday. You know, even the uh, framers of this law knew that there was something hinky about it and that, you know, it should only be uh, enacted for a limited time. So they just gave it a period of five years and said, after this five years, this bill will self-destruct. So now they're voting to renew it. And, of course, it passed with no problem because... These are the people you've chosen to lead you, and that's what they've done. You, you knew that's what they would do when you picked them, so don't be surprised now. The vote was 280 to 138, just two more than needed under special rules that require a two-thirds majority. The close vote caught senior Republican aides in both chambers by surprise. Nonetheless, the vote marked a political victory for Bush and will allow congressional Republicans facing midterm elections this year to continue touting a tough-on-terror stance. Bush's approval rating has suffered in recent months after revelations that he authorized secret warrantless wiretappings of Americans. And yet, you Americans have chosen to allow him to continue to evade, invade your privacy in a fucking pell-mell ad hoc willy-nilly uh, discretion. You just don't fucking learn. I just, I, can't, I don't know what it's going to fucking take. I shudder to think if, if you're complacent about how this uh, treasonous cocksucker dragged you into an unlawful, unethical, immoral war, uh, you know, based on bullshit to serve his own, uh, you know, special interests. What will it fucking take? I keep waiting for the children to, you know, to rise up and revolt like they did back in the 60s. You make the fucking world a shitty enough place for people to live, they will inevitably fight back. 
A series of coordinated bombings, meanwhile, rocked a packed railway station and crowded temple today in Hinduism's holiest city, Varanasi, India, killing at least 15 people and injuring dozens in an attack that raised fears of communal violence. Cities across India were put on high alert, alert as Indian Prime Minister Mamahan Singh appealed for calm, according to his spokesman Sanjaya Baru. Stern action will be initiated against all those found involved, said Mulyam Singh Yadav, the chief minister of Uttar Pradesh, state where uh, today's blasts occurred. The attacks, which injured at least 62 people, came only days after Hindus and Muslims fought in the streets of Lucknow, leaving four people dead during a visit to India by President Bush. The next day, angry Hindus looted Muslim shops and burned vehicles in the coastal resort of Goa in a dispute over a mosque demolition. You remember several months back, they uh, bombed... uh, important mosque it's hard to think of these people as really like a religion they're just a fucking uh you know just a bunch of uh uh tribal angry fucking sick ass motherfuckers i mean the hindus are a little better than the muslims the hindus at least don't you know strap bombs across their stomachs and go out into the you know and get on buses with women and children and go out into the market with innocent people and blow themselves to bits. Muslims do that. So, but I expect the uh, Hindus to start any day. The uh, architect of financial schemes that helped fuel the collapse of Enron told a jury today that he had the blessing of his boss former CEO Jeffrey Skilling, for moves that allowed the energy trading company to hide losses and inflate profits. In some of the most dramatic testimony in the sixth week of the trial, former Chief Financial Officer Andrew Fastow said Skilling told him, quote, get me as much of that juice as you can. (laughs) Regarding the personally lubricant, uh, uh, lucrative partnerships fast out used to manipulate Enron's finances. So that was his code for milk the fucking company for all it's worth is get me the much, much of that juice. You figured you squeeze the company. It was like, you know, you think of the company as a big, fat, juicy orange. You squeeze it. Who's going to notice a little juice missing? Fast out appeared contrite in his much-anticipated confrontation in a federal courtroom with Skilling and Enron founder Kenneth Lay, who are on trial for fraud and conspiracy stemming from the spectacular 2001 collapse of what was once once the seventh largest company in the United States. He fought back tears as he told jurors that his wife, Leah, pleaded guilty to a tax crime and finished a year-long prison term last July for signing a tax return that didn't include legal income from business deals unrelated to the partnerships. He got his wife thrown in the can for a year. Because, of course, she, you know, they, they were married and she signed all those uh, joint um, tax returns. This is just another fucking reason. I mean, um, not to get off on a tangent here, because, um, you know, the 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 story is about Enron, <laughs> but you know this is just another reason why we really have to eliminate marriage. 
marriage is really just a big fucking scam. When you think about what is marriage, you know, I always try and put myself as like a, a, a 23rd century Margaret Mead, you know, looking back over past civilization and and try and, you know, look at it dispassionately. And I think to myself how how in the future they're going to look back and they're going to think how quaint uh, it was that we all had to get permission from the priest before we could have sex and start families. That somehow we had to make this big announcement and declare our feelings to the world, you know, thus roping us in for life. And uh, and then go get permission from the from the government, get a license to do it, and then get permission from the rabbi or the priest to do it. It's unfucking believable. And then there's all these artificial responsibilities thrown on you, like you're responsible for all of a sudden you're responsible for the other one's debts and you're responsible for the other you can speak for them in medical situations and all this shit kicks in automatically. Here we find out that this cocksucker Jeffrey Skilling got his wife thrown in the can for a year because she you know, believed him when he said, don't worry, honey, it's all legit, it's all honest, you know, you're signing your name to a, to a uh, honest uh, a test, uh, a test, you know, a testament of our income. And she said, okay, honey, she didn't study it over for herself because it would have taken, it would have been a project. She would have had to spend a month with the fucking accountants explaining it to her. So she said, okay. And then they threw her in the fucking can for a year saying, no, no, you're responsible for everything you sign, your joint income with him, and there's got to be a better way, folks. You know, If people want to get together and they want to live and they want to set up home for each other, then let them be responsible for all those things. Let them sit down and say, let's uh, you know, merge our finances together. And let's, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, you know, keep separate checking accounts for this and that. Why not? Who the fuck is in anybody else's business? Let's agree that if we split up in the future, we each get half. Or uh, let's, uh, you know, not agree. And uh, if it happens in the future, then, you know, the, the we'll have to pay somebody to uh, tell us, you know, what stuff we can have. Because now, two-thirds of all people who get married get divorced. It costs the fucking country trillions of fucking dollars for this phony baloney marriage bullshit. Folks, very few relationships, in case you haven't noticed, last forever. And it's impossible to foretell the future. Everybody that goes into marriage thinking this is the one and only or this is the last and only... But you don't fucking know how you're going to feel tomorrow. Some people suggest that there should be a re-upping period, that you should re-examine the relationship every year or 10 years and sit down and say, are we, how are we doing? Do we want to go for another 10? Recontract. <laughs> and what's wrong with that? Who the fuck is the church or the government to tell us how we should run our fucking relationships? 
and that if one decides to have sex, then the government or the you know uh, the courts are going to waggle their fingers and say, well, you're the reason that this relationship split up, so I'm giving all your shit to the other one. What? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Because I, I had a relationship with somebody else? You really want the government up your fucking ass like that? I mean, if that was your deal with your wife, and I'm not saying it shouldn't have been, but if your deal with your wife was that you would both be monogamous and fuck only each other, then fucking somebody on the outside is a breach of that agreement. So it's up to you as two adults to decide what to do about that. But for the fucking government, these are the people you hire to pick up the garbage, folks. This is who you've entrusted this to. For them to then turn around and say, no, you broke this cardinal fucking sacrosanct rule of marriage, and therefore she gets the piano. What? <laughs> Excuse me? Are you my father? How does that work? And you all willingly just bought into this because ever since 1975 in the United States, it's perfectly legal for two members of the opposite sex to cohabitate and have sex in an unlimited way. There is no requirement for you to enter into this ridiculous um, contract and, and subject yourself to all the fucking shit that uh, you go through if you made a mistake. You're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's Tuesday, uh, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Bob the Engineers asked me to let you know that the request lines are open. Send your request in to requests at jesterradio.com or elsewise you can send us an AOL instant message to uh, Jester Radio 1 is our screen name. And you could also go to www.jesterradio.com and click on where it says requests. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air. Lickety split. And while you're there, folks, please make a note of our new podcast uh, feed and uh, get into that. And also uh, hit that donate button, folks. Just keep whacking on it. And just every time you whack on it, give a buck. Give five bucks. Give ten bucks. Give 99 luft balloons. No, I didn't mean that. Dar Williams starts it out for you this evening. Please, folks, don't fuck with that dial. It starts getting good right now. Johnny Memphis, I was out here listening all the time. 
Hafen pflegen. 
which roughly translates into, hey, I got an idea. Let's kill all the Jews. That's so wrong. Now, what does she? What, what, what actually is she saying at the end there? Uh, she... I mean, in 99, German. 99 years of war. No, but what's the last line, Hockenfliegen? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> what does that mean, Hockenfliegen? <laughs> Lassenfliegen, which means release to fly. She release let, she, to fly. Let the 99 red oh, right, fly of course. Away. 99 red balloons fly away. That's how the English song ends, too. Hey, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Hagenflugen, Stachenfliegen, by the way, is my new motto. <laughs> and that's the words I live by, and I think you should too. And everybody who agrees with me, just wear your underwear on the outside from now on, and we'll all be able to tell each other from the unbelievers. You're listening to The Ravings of a Clown this Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2009. Hanging behind the glass with the Lord of Sin. Coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Bush administration drew a hard line in Iran today, uh, warning of a meaningful consequences if the Islamic government does not back away from an intentional confrontation over its disputed nuclear program. Of course, we've been talking about this for years. Iran is dead set on developing nuclear weapons. They've, you know, just about, you know, made it public. And um, the world, of course, is scared shitless. They've already made it perfectly clear that the first thing they intend to do when they do have nuclear weapons is to annihilate Israel. Because even though the fucking Arabs... The pro- the land the Arab has is like you know to ra- to ratio to lo- to to the land Israel ha- has is like a football field to a po- postage stamp. The Arabs feel very strongly that they w- just couldn't be happy until they got rid of that postage stamp. They're just fucking it up for everything with their fucking democracy and their fucking American support. They don't need that shit. And what's amazing is that Bush actually feels that he's got the fucking standing in the world to demand Iran, you know, get in line. The world is laughing at him. He's the joke of the world. Edging toward the U.N. Security Council review, it's long sought Washington rejected any potential 11th hour compromise that would allow Iran to process nuclear fuel which could be used for weapons. Vice President Dick Cheney said the United States and other nations are agreed that we will not allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon, he said. The Iranian regime needs to know that if it stays on its present course, the international community is prepared to impose meaningful consequences. Kaboom! You know, when that comes from Dick Cheney, he's not talking about, you know, uh, trade sanctions. <laughs> Kaboom is what he's talking about. Speaking to the pro-Israel lobbying group APEC, Cheney did not specify what the U.S. would do, but said it is keeping all options on the table. Also another code word for <laughs> Kaboom. Kaboom. American officials have said the government has no plans for military force, but will not rule it out. Again, code for United States, Israel, and several Arab nations fear development of an Iranian bomb would put Israel at risk. 
or forever change the balance of power in the Middle East. Russia, which has played middleman on Iran since the breakdown of talks between Tehran and the European nations, reassured U.S. officials that it remains on board as the U.N. nuclear watchdog agency again took up the Iran case in Vienna. The Security Council could have full purview over the issue by week's end. There's no immediate timetable for action there. They just work at their own fucking time. But the U.N. may come out with some kind of, you know, warning or sanction or statement or, you know, something. We, the world, say, no, you can't have a bomb. You're too wacky. The U.S. ambassador held talks with a top Shiite leader today. As Iraqi factions wrangled over a new government, the prime minister declared he will not be blackmailed into stepping aside, and the Shiite majority balked at convening the parliament. The inability to agree is threatening to crush American hopes of beginning a true pullout this summer as violence rages on. Bombings, mortar blasts, and gunfire killed 19 more people throughout the country today. Police also reported finding four more bullet-ridden bodies, two of them with their eyes gouged out. It's just getting prettier and prettier over there. Holding a first session of Parliament is a required step toward forming a new government 15 days after the first meeting Parliament is supposed to elect a new president, a job the incumbent Jalal Talabani wants to keep. In 15 more days, the Parliament is to approve the nominated Prime Minister and 30 days later, he must vote on his cabinet. It's just a joke. It's a joke. These guys, they're, they're doing the same thing in the government that they've been doing from their fucking mosques and, and you know, palaces all these years. It's all infighting. It's all petty bickering over... Um, you know, these ancient, ancient uh, hatreds. Divers have discovered a new crustacean in the South Pacific that resembles a lobster, and it's covered with what looks like silky blonde fur, according to French researchers today. Folks, I'm looking at a picture of this thing, and let me tell you, this could be like a Photoshop deal here. This could be like a phony. We may find out on Thursday that, you know, the guys say, no, we didn't know you were going to pick this up in the news, and... It was just an email. It was a joke. Because the thing looks like a bearded lobster. It looks like a fucking lobster with feathers. <laughs> Scientists said the animal, which was named the Kiwi Hirutsa, was so distinct from other species that cr they created a new genus and a new family for it. A team of American-led divers found the animal in water 7,540 feet deep. That's how far down these fucking people are going. They're going a mile and a half down under the fucking sea. Pretty soon, man, they're going to hit where the aliens are hanging out. Because, you know, that's what they do. They come to uh, Earth, and they figure, where could we hide where no one's going to fucking see us? Let's go to the bottom of the ocean. These fucking people are so fucking, uh, you know, primitive, they can't even get to the bottoms of their own oceans. Let's go down five or six, eight miles. They'll never find us. A team of American-led divers found the animals in water 7,500 feet deep at a site 900 miles south of Easter Island last year, according to Michael Saganzak of the French Institute for Sea Exploration. The new crustacean is described in the Journal of National Museum of Natural History in Paris. It's good to know people are keeping track of these things, you know? 
People are writing up stories about every little fucking critter, man, that walks and crawls. They're cataloging and listing all the fucking things that fly. And Jesus, how many how many different distinct species are there? Must be millions. The animal is white. It's five point nine inches long, about the size of a salad plate. Isn't that nice? <laughs> and he's surprisingly delicious. In what Sagonzak described as a surprising characteristic, the animal's pincers are covered with a sinuous hair-like strands. The diving expedition was organized by Robert Vignanhook of the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute in California. I'm you, it looks like a fucking bearded lobster. Looks like a sort of a cross between a monkey and a lobster. You see that too, huh? You see that? <laughs> yeah. Like monkey he's got arms. long fucking monkey arms. Right. Hairy fucking monk, like an orangutan. I'm telling you, it's a cross between a lobster and orangutan, folks. And you know what? They're amazing. A little butter, a little salt. Go out dancing, skip the light fandango, turn cartwheels, cross the floor. I'm feeling kind of seasick. It's Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jest Radio. Please. Don't fuck with that dial. It's good right now.
Not zippers on Jester Radio. In the afterlife, you could be headed for serious strife.
first you lose your face and you lose your name, and then you'll be fitted for a suit of flames. <laughs> That's uh, Hell by Squirrel Nut Zippers on Jester Radio. Pro call Heron before that wider shade of pale. She said there is no reason, but the truth is plain to see as I wandered through your playing cards. I could not let her be one of 16 Vestal Virgins who were leaving for the coast. And the moment my eyes were open, well, they might just as well have been closed. And so it was. The uh, sailor. Procol Harem on Jester Radio. Hey, uh, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Or so. Um, the uh, this guy Gordon Parks, you know about this guy? Very famous filmmaker, photographer. He um, captured the struggles and triumphs of Black America as a photographer for Life magazine. Then became Hollywood's first major Black director. He made The Learning Tree, and of course, Shaft. What you talking about? Well, I'm talking about Shaft. He died today, according to a family member. He was 93. 93 years old. Parks, who also wrote fiction, was an accomplished composer, died in New York. His nephew, Charles Parks, said in a telephone interview from Lawrence, Kansas, nothing came easy, Parks wrote in his autobiography. I was just born with a need to explore every tool shop of my mind. And with long searching and hard work, I became devoted to my restlessness. Everybody's got these different tool shops in their minds, you know. Some One part of us wants to make music, one part of us wants to be an athlete, and one part of us, you know, wants to uh, study and learn the great works. And this is what he devoted his life to, just to, to explore every tool shop in his mind. He covered everything from fashion to politics to sports during his 20 years of life, uh, 1948 to 1968. But as a photographer, he was perhaps best known for his gritty photo essay on the grinding effects of poverty in the United States and abroad and uh, on the spirit of the civil rights movement. Those special problems spawned by poverty and crime touched me more, and I dug into them with more enthusiasm, he said. Working at them again revealed the superiority of the camera to explore the dilemma they posed. In 1961, his photographs in Life of a poor, ailing Brazilian boy named Flavio da Silva brought donations that saved the boy and purchased a new home for him and his family. The uh, detective drama Shaft came out in 1971, starred Richard Roundtree, was a major hit, spawned a series of uh, black-oriented films, or black exploitation films, as they came to be called. Parks himself directed a sequel, uh, Shaft's Big Score. Dead at 93, Gordon Parks. Hoping to leap ahead of smaller rival advanced uh, micro devices, Intel unveiled details of a next-gen chip design that it claims will perform better and consume less power than today's Pentium 4. The technology dubbed the core microarchitecture will start shipping in the second half of this year in chips for notebook, desktop, entertainer, and server computers. We're going to Ramp it like crazy and delivered in volume. Pat Gelsinger, senior vice president of Intel's Design Enterprise Group, said today, as a result, it's a better product and people buy better products. 
Of course, they're hyping their rollout of ramping it very quickly because Intel has been known to have very, very limited availability for their new chips um, for a long time, sometimes over a year after they introduce a new chip. It's always very hard to get, and they're very expensive. So he's saying they're going to ramp it out and deliver it in volume. We'll see. Intel's troubles have mounted over the past year as the Santa Clara-based company has shuffled product plans and managed inventory buildups and supply shortages and competed against AMD that some analysts say deliver performance that's superior to Intel chips. And by the way, include me in that group. I think AMD beats the fuck out of Intel. They have a better, a more modern architecture and uh, they're built for the future. So, I don't know what it's going to be, this uh, core microarchitecture. They've been very secretive about it, but whatever it is, we'll stay skeptical until we see the benchmarks. Here's a real caffeine jolt. Heart attacks might be uh, at risk for coffee drinkers with a common genetic trait that makes caffeine linger in their bodies According to a study, research on more than 4,000 people in Costa Rica who fucking drink coffee by the gallon all day long found that about half had that trait and were considered slow caffeine metabolizers. The other half had the opposite trait, which caused their body to rapidly break down or metabolize coffee, and coffee drinking in this group appeared to reduce heart attack risks. So further proof that we're not all built exactly the same Coffee is good for some of us and not good for the other. Among slow metabolizers, those who drank two or more cups of coffee daily were at least 36% more likely to have a non-fatal heart attack than those who drank little or no coffee. Even higher risks were found for younger slow metabolizers, those under 50. They were up to four times more likely to have a heart attack than slow metabolizers in their age group who drank little or no coffee. The findings, though, preliminary might explain... Why there have been such mixed results in previous studies investigating caffeine's effects on the cardiovascular system. So this is something the scientific community never took into consideration. Maybe it doesn't work the same on everybody. Maybe not all humans are exactly the same. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine that, man, how that's going to fucking hit the uh, medical industry. Like a fucking, imagine if the pill was only good for some of the people. Imagine if you had to know a little bit more about the the way their body was working before you prescribe a drug instead of thinking everybody's built exactly the fucking same. And then make the patient feel guilty when they're not responding to the drug. That Because that's what fucking happens, man. Doctors are like, you know, auto repairmen. You know, they like to fucking fix you up and get you out. And when you come back, from that point on, it sucks doing business with them. They're like, oh, shit, you're in again with that thing I fixed the other day? What now? It didn't, the pills didn't fucking fix it? Oh, shit. Well, that's all I got, lady. There must be something wrong with you. We'll throw some more tests because I got nothing else. Either I'm prescribing shit or giving tests. Those are the only two things I know how to do. And hit your knee with a hammer. And I'm not even really sure why I'm doing that. What the hell that's all about? <laughs> Whack you in the knee with a fucking hammer. You can do that at home. Save yourself 35 bucks. 
You don't need to come in for that. Yeah, I think the medical community, the scientific community, are going to have to just, uh, you know, stop, you know, McDonald'sizing medicine so much. And I understand, you know, through the years, the you know, the story has always been, well, doctors, you know, stop making house calls because they could treat more patients. They could treat eight patients for the time it takes to go visit, you know, one person. But, you know, when a doctor went to your house, um, he really spent a lot of fucking time with you. He built that into his financial structure. He made it work for him. He did some time at the hospital during the week and some time in the, in the office during the week. And some of the time he spent traveling around and he made that worth his while. Whatever he charged you, it was worth it. And as a result, people got really superior medical care. Of course, they didn't have the drugs and the uh, uh, surgical options that they have today, but they almost made up for it in what they had in terms of individualization. Because a major flaw with the uh, modern uh, medical industry worldwide is they treat everybody the same. They take a test, and they see you're low in iron, and they say, give them iron. Whatever the fuck it is, just do what it says. You know, look it up on the fucking spreadsheet. You know, has this and that. Um, you know, may have, you know, they have diagnostic software now. You type in the symptoms. The guy's got a fucking green, funky glurp that comes out when he coughs. His tips of his ears are red, and he's complaining it burns when he takes a piss. Oh, he's got your fucking uh, malachomania. Give him a fucking pill. Uh, Anti-malachomania. And if he doesn't fucking, and if it doesn't fix him, then they're like, oh, give him a test. I don't know. Pain in my ass. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to the ravings of a clown hanging behind the glass with the Lord of Sin. This evening, uh, it's Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006, and there's a monster on the loose. Steppenwolf on JR. America, where are you now? Don't you care about your sons and daughters?
just as a chair of injustice Kind was the spirit in many a way But its protectors and friends have been sleeping Now it's a monster and will not obey
22-year-old gorgeous fucking Latino doll who sings like a 50-year-old blues singer. Shakira on Just Radio. Underneath my, your clothes, there's my territory. Steppenwolf before that and Monster. That was an anti-Vietnam song from back in 1969. And, you know, all of these Vietnam references all seem so familiar. There's a monster on the loose, and he's got his head in a noose. There's so much death reported every single day. We're becoming numb to the reports of 19, you know, killed in an uh, um, explosion, four more dead bodies found with their eyes fucking hollowed out. So why isn't it, by the way, I always wonder, why isn't it then 23 people dead? Why do they separate out the hollowed-out people? <laughs> Different kinds of death, eh? Just to make it a, a smaller number, that's all. They fuck with the numbers. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this uh, Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2009. More of what you tune into Just Radio for coming up. A group of bo boys who posed as a 15-year-old girl for an internet prank ended up helping police arrest a 48-year-old man who tried to meet the fictitious teenager for sex. So here's what happened. It turns out this guy um, broke up with his girlfriend, so his buds, trying to cheer him up, all got together and created this fictional chat room uh, persona, you know, some chick's name or something, and started chatting him up to make him feel better. So while they were hanging around doing this, some fucking 48-year-old skank started chatting these group of kids up, thinking, you know, it was a hot chick, and then made a fucking date to go see the chick. The five boys created a fake profile of a girl on MySpace.com, the social networking website, to cheer up a friend who had recently broken up with his girlfriend. But soon a man began sending, sending messages to the girl, and their conversations began to have sexual overtones. The man also sent the girl his picture, the quote-unquote girl, his picture, and arranged to meet her at a public park. The boys went to the park, and when the guy arrived, they called the cops. <laughs> Fucking A. Michael Ramos, 48, of Fontana, California, was booked into uh, West Valley Detention Center yesterday for investigation of felony attempted lewd and lascivious conduct with a child for an outstanding warrant. He was being held in the West Valley Detention Center on $105,000 bail. Dispatcher who answered the telephone at the center early today said the facility does not allow phone call interviews with inmates. It was not immediately known whether he's got a lawyer yet. Two men were arrested last week, and what prosecutors said were the first federal sexual assault charges involving MySpace. The unrelated cases involved Connecticut girls who were 11 and 14. And let me tell you, man, that's some scary shit, because I happen to know a little 12-year-old who lives in Connecticut who has a website on MySpace, but maybe she's a little bit more savvy than your average bear. It's a scary-ass fucking world out there, you know? Every time I turn on fucking Maury Povich, I'm seeing one of these guys getting 
uh, you know, nailed for, you know what I'm talking about. They have all these uh, news specials where the guy traps the um, uh, a pervert into coming out. Did you see this one with John Stossel, you know, uh, uh, made himself out like a chick in a chat room, in some innocent chat room, not, you know, like give me head now chat room, but like, you know, like teens, girl teens. And right away he was in there for two seconds and guys would be hitting on him. And then he would say, okay, come to my house. My parents are going to be out of town. I'm, you know, and the guy's thinking the chick is 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old. And these guys are like 30, 40, 50. And they all fucking show up, man. He would he would do you know like ten in one day. Give them all different time to come, and they came fucking with beer. They came with pot, you know, with their video cameras. What are you doing with the alcohol, sir? Oh, yeah, and then and then John Stossel standing in the kitchen, and he says, "Look, you came here thinking you were going to have sex with a, a child." And the guy would be like, you know, he'd do his imitation of Ralph Cramden. You know, she told me she was 40. No, I have the transcript right here. She said she was 13. What were you thinking? You're 412 pounds and you're bald and you're three foot seven. And you bring a fucking uh, a, a case of fucking, uh, you know, wine coolers. What could you have been thinking? And then, of course, as soon as he... Have you seen these, Lord? Oh, yeah. yeah. And the second the guy steps outside, what happens? He gets instantly arrested. The cops are waiting. He John Stossel is now in cahoots with the cops. So they first they videotape the guy, (laughs) and the cops wait for the video to be done. Because, you know, no video, no arrests. This John Stossel is doing their fucking work. And then they nab them as they come out the door for attempting to have sex with a chick, you know, with an underage kid. Senate Republicans today agreed to uh, expand oversight of George uh, Bush's domestic spying program, uh, as we reported earlier. But they rejected Democratic pressure for a broad inquiry into eavesdropping on U.S. citizens. So there'll be no questions asked. This whole thing is going to be swept under the carpet. Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas, Republican chairman of the Select Committee on Intelligence, said the committee voted to create a new seven-member subcommittee that would scrutinize the eavesdropping under a plan approved by the, get this, White House. So it's a subcommittee of a committee that is working under the auspices of the White House, investigating the White House. The Bush administration was criticized by rights groups, Democrats, and some Republicans even for the surveillance program. It started after the September 11 attacks and allowed the National Security Agency to eavesdrop without a warrant on Americans' international phone and email communications while in pursuit of al-Qaeda, who is made up of like 130 members. So... You know, two and a half billion people were spied on, potentially, because of such a tiny, tiny threat. In addition, the White House has begun, and by the way, please don't get me wrong, I am by no means trying to um, understate the threat of al-Qaeda and the Taliban and Iran and North Korea and all the scary people in the world. They really do have a tremendous potential for doing a great deal of harm. 
No reason to give up your liberty, though. The, the police and the government and the people you hire to keep you safe can't just turn this into just spying on everybody willy-nilly. Give up that, and you give up what you're fighting for. It seems ironic. Uh, uh, ultimately, every war, the goal of every war should be to preserve the way of you know your society, of your civilization, to, to, to save America. And if there's, no, if there's nothing left of America to save, what's the point? I believe the president is prepared to sign a bill once the Congress does uh, work its will, Roberts told reporters after a closed-door committee meeting. When it comes to national security, I prefer accommodation over confrontation whenever possible. We should fight the enemy. We should not fight each other. Four Senate Republicans, all critics of the program, uh, proposed a plan that would authorize the NSA to eavesdrop without a warrant for 45 days, but require the White House to justify every decision to continue beyond that time frame. So they get an open uh, pass on 45 days for any American, for any fucking American in the country. 45 days reading your email, reading, listening to your uh, telephone conversations, as long as they're international. So if you're talking to folks back home, um, then you're open to scrutiny. And that's just not fucking American, man. That's not cool. So something's got to be done. And uh, there's a group in Newfane, Vermont, that's doing something in a white clapboard town hall built uh, circa 1832. Voters gathered today to conduct the community's business and to call for the impeachment of President Bush. It's about time. In the United States presently, there are only a few places where citizens can act in this fashion and have a say in our nation, said Select Board Member Dan DeWalt, who drafted the impeachment article that was placed on the warning or official agenda for the annual town meeting, a proud Yankee tradition in New England. It absolutely affects us locally, DeWalt said. It's our sons and daughters our mothers and fathers who are dying in the war in Iraq. The article approved 121 to 29 and balloting by paper calls on Vermont's lone member of the House, Independent Representative Bernie Sanders, to file articles of impeachment against the president alleging that Bush misled the nation into the Iraq war and engaged in illegal domestic spying. Other cities nationwide have taken up resolutions calling for Bush's impeachment, notably San Francisco, but the sentiment has rarely spread to rural America, unless you're talking about Vermont, known for bucking politics as usual. At least three other southern Vermont towns spurred by publicity about Newfane's resolution endorsed similar resolutions during today's meetings. Dummerston, Marlboro, and Potney are all throwing their hats into the ring. In Newfane, the impeachment item came at the end of a roughly four-hour meeting today that was devoted mostly to the local affairs of the town of 1600 among the other items discussed was whether the town should fix some of the hundred-year-old sidewalks in the village. I mean, that's America. A town of 1,600 gets together. They say, um, now, uh, what's on the agenda, Zeke? And he says, well, sir, uh, there's a spot uh, downtown on Main Street on the sidewalk that's all a-crumbled. 
and we need to get that fixed. Okay, uh, allocate who say I allocate one hundred and thirty dollars to fix the crack in the sidewalk. All say I, <laughs> nay. Okay, the eyes have it. Next on the agenda, uh, yes, sir. Uh, I uh, hereby uh, move that we impeach the president of the United <laughs> fucking States of America. Okay, all say I. The, the eyes have it, baby, and that's America. Only in America can they do that. They can't fucking do that in Saudi Arabia, and they can't do it in Syria, and they can't do it in um, uh, United Arab Emirates, and they can't do it in Iraq or Iran. Only in America. Such a cool fucking place to have a government that's you know so potentially in the hands of the people. If only those people uh, used that potential. That's the fucking problem. It's the apathy. And what causes the apathy is the leadership. You remember when John F. Kennedy stood up and said, I fucking tell you, man, we're going to put a goddamn man on the moon. And let me tell you something. When he said that, my grandmother said, oh, he's so full of shit. There's never going to be nobody on no fucking moon. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. And every fucking America turned to each other and said, let's put a motherfucker on the moon. What? What do you say? And that was the fucking spirit because the leadership made it, you know, it everybody's business, threw it back in the hands. Don't ask me what my fucking country can do for me. Ask yourself, what can I do for my country? Get, you know, fucking throw yourself into the fucking Peace Corps. He started all that shit. And, that, you know, but the... The, the, the other kind of leadership is the kind of leadership that wants to have complete control over everything we do. And they don't want people to be involved. They want to promote complete apathy. And the way they do that is they saturate them. They saturate them. They know that if Americans hear enough fucking stories about the government spying on them and the government making up bullshit stories to send them into phony wars and if the government fucking running secret fucking uh, prison camps where they torture people, that the people will become so fucking horrified and so disgusted that they'll do what people do, they'll turn it off. And they'll fucking walk away. And let me tell you something. This is human nature. You look at any similar situation. You look at, for example, a situation where an older brother and a younger brother, very close in age, and the older brother kicks the living shit out of the younger brother all the fucking time. What does that younger brother do? Does he fight back? Of course not. He doesn't even have the fu a dream of fighting back. He knows he's much too impotent against the older fucking brother. What does he do? He just fucking slumps in apathy. He just fucking takes it. And that's what you fucking people are doing, man. You're taking it. Any fucking time you want, you could take it all back. It's all built right into your phenomenal constitution. It says right there, man, how you could fucking take a hold of the government and make it your own. And if you don't agree with anybody else who's running, then run yourself. It's uh, of the people. We're going to keep you up updated on that one. War crimes trial of President Bush at a Parsippany High School classroom 
is expected to c- conclude today. We've been talking about this. This uh, New Jersey high school has been um, running a war crimes trial against Bush, a mock trial. Additional uh, defense testimony from the student playing Bush, but controversy over the project is continuing. It clearly crossed the line, school board member Frank Calabria said today, of the mock tribunal in which Bush is charged with crimes against civilian populations and inhuman treatment of prisoners. Calabria said he'll be asking some questions. What occurred? How did it happen? Why did it happen exactly? What are the ramifications when the board meets on Thursday? So the school board is going fucking ape shit because this class has gotten together and said, let's have a mock trial and see what would have happened. And let me tell you, man, that's what school's for, to stir up you know, uh, conversation and controversy and uh, debate. That's what intellectuals do. They debate. They argue. They give their side of the fucking story in a thoughtful, meaningful way without insulting the other person. This is what this is the highest form that humans can take is intellectual debate. And these fucking lunatics, these religious right fringe fucking lunatics don't want to have any of that. You know what they always call that? You know people uh who who are um, very conservative and uh somebody comes along and says um you know, and starts questioning all that. You know what they always call that? They say um, it, um, it it's disrespectful and it's unpatriotic and it's going to make the soldiers in Iraq feel bad that they're over there fighting. And let me tell you, if I was a soldier in Iraq and I knew that there were people protesting back home... Um, that I would think to myself, this is why I'm a fucking soldier in Iraq. This is what I'm fucking trying to preserve. The right for everybody, regardless of whether I agree with them, to speak their fucking mind. Then the fucking Nazis parade down the streets of, uh, you know, uh, in Illinois every year, in Chicago, and Minnesota. That's because it's America. We're polarizing people in an area that we shouldn't be, said Calabria. Again, you know, characterizing debate as polarization. The country is already polarized. People are already polarized. People disagree with each other. You know what uh, debate and discussion does? It brings people closer together. It doesn't further polarize them, doesn't set them apart. It brings them closer together. People get to hear the other person's point of view. And if they say it in a thoughtful, intelligent way, then the other person will say, hmm, you got a point there. I guess I'll, I'll take that in, into consideration. I'll soften my stance on that because of that excellent point you just made. But people who are afraid of radical ideas, people who are afraid of the truth, always say, oh, they're polarizing. We don't need to hear that negative shit. Let's just all stay positive. Mayor Michael Luther also criticized the trial yesterday, saying it breeds disrespect to accuse the commander-in-chief of being a war criminal. Hogwash. (laughs) It breeds disrespect? What are the schools now, a breeding ground? 
I love this thing. It, it breeds disrespect. Like now the schools are responsible for, you know, what what thought what thoughts children have and whether or not they respect or disrespect their leaders. My initial reaction was I didn't like it. I thought it was too emotional, not necessarily a proper exercise. I wasn't comfortable, said Luther, a Democrat. Luther thought the overall tone of the project was too rough, particularly given the involvement of high school students. It's a very emotional time for our country in terms of the state of the war, Luther said. Teacher Joseph Kyle, whose advanced placement government and politics class researched the project and opened the trial on February 27th, continued to stand by it. Everybody has an opinion. I uh, don't agree, Kyle said in response to Luther's comments. How fucking amazing is that, man? They're putting the president on trial for uh, crimes against civilian populations and inhumane treatment of prisoners. Hot dog. It's got a nice little ring to it. I'd love it, man. That's what you want to fucking hear, man. You want to hear that the leaders are being fucking scrutinized. And they're being scrutinized not just by the fucking other people in the government and the country, but even by the children. You know how fucking merciless they can be, man. Try doing a magic trick for a kid. He's like, I saw you fucking put it in your pocket. <laughs> they don't lie. That's right, man. They love to catch you on your fucking bullshit. They know nothing about, you know, how culture makes it sort of uncool to bust somebody on a lie. And they fucking jump on it every time. I saw that shit. So here are these kids in high school. They're not thinking to themselves, oh, I don't want to come off as being unpatriotic or I don't want to come off as being uh, questioning authority. In fact, they don't think at all about how they're going to come off. They just sincerely want to figure out, is it true or isn't it true? You know, when I was a kid in fifth grade, I was on the debate team. And I had, we had a debate about the Vietnam War, and I pulled the pro-Vietnam War position. You didn't get a choice of what side you were on. And I pulled the pro. And I went to the teacher, and I said, I can't fucking do it. I can't do it, man. I, have, I can't even imagine what the arguments are for pro-Vietnam. And he sat me down, and he said, well, you know, some people think that the South Vietnam is being supported by the Russians. And they're giving all their support. And if they win, then the government will be ruled by communists. And if Vietnam falls, then all those other republics, all those other democracies in the you know, Far East and the Middle East are going to fall like dominoes. It was the domino theory. And that meant all those countries that were you know, dangling between democracy and communism were all going to fall to communism. And that would be terrible for the world. We have to save the world from communism. And I thought to myself, shit, we've got to save the fucking world from them goddamn commies. <laughs> and he said, let me tell you about those commies, man. They take away all your shit. And they put it up for fucking grabs. Everybody, you know, works like a horse. And everybody gets paid the same. What kind of shit is that? And I said, what kind of shit is that? And he said, you know, you don't get fucking, you know, if you work extra hard, you know, there's no incentive 
There's communal sh- everything. You got to share all your shit. And I was like, share my shit? You must be joking. I don't even like it when my brother comes into my room and uses my magic eight ball. I'm not sharing my shit. I work for my car, and then the state takes my car and says, no, it's a fucking bourgeois to own your own car. Just fucking come down to the car station, stand online for an hour and a half, and take a communal car if you want to have a car. Why should the poor people not have a car? Well, maybe because they fucking didn't work as hard as me, asshole. So... Anybody can understand anybody else's side of any argument. If you listen carefully, if they're articulate, and if they're um, you know zealous and enthusiastic about their position. Salesmen. Salesmen are very good uh, debaters. Not anymore. Salesmen are useless for anything. I haven't met a fucking salesman worth a fuck since 1977. They don't fucking know shit about the product that they sell. They don't want to be bothered. I remember one time I went into a stereo store with my friend Dave Herman, and he walks over to the guy and he goes, "Let me." It's one of these discount stores on Fifth Avenue. There's no more salesmen. They're all just—they're only there to write it up for you, to haggle over the price, and to fucking write up the receipt. And he walks over to this fucking receiver and he sees this—you know button that says you know something you know there's always these wacky things that you know stereo manufacturers throw in you know like audio reverberama or something and he says to the salesman what does this button do and the guy goes i don't fucking know what do you what do you think i know what all these buttons do (laughs) and he said like why are you here Hey, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio coming to you from a secret location. It's Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Please don't fuck with that dial. Pink Floyd kicks it off. Learning to fly. Leave it right where it is.
determined to try I keep my eyes from the circling skies Turn tight and twist me just a head down this way
instead upon an argument I believe we place our happiness in other people's hands I believe the junk food tastes so good because it's bad for you I believe your parents did the best job they knew how to do I believe that beauty magazines promote low self-esteem
through a hole in the air From those nads to Yenemen Square It's coming from the field that this ain't exactly real Or it's real but it ain't exactly there From the war against disorder From the sirens night and day From the fires of the homeless From the ashes of the gay Democracy is coming to the USA.
came long thin lanky jones and saved the day no matter what channel he turned on there was jones saving the fucking day the coasters on chester radio leonard cohen before that goes out to sid the neighbor the world famous sydney the neighbor his name is spoken in over 130 countries each and every day savage garden affirmation of which i um, believe about two-thirds i agree with of that song there's a lot of bullshit in that song, but there's a lot of good shit, too. Pink Floyd, uh, Learning to Fly, the uh, live version started that set. You're listening to the ravings of a cloon this Tuesday, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006, hanging behind the glass with the Lord of Sin. Yep, still here. Suffer from springtime allergies. You could be among the first affected by the uh, USA Patriot Act, poised for final congressional passage this week, as you know. Besides terrorism, the bill takes aim at the production of methamphetamine. Now, I know what you're thinking to yourself. How did my government slip in a secret fucking provision about methamphetamine into a bill that is meant to protect the United States from terrorism? Well, there you go. I guess that I guess the question kind of answers itself because they're fucking lying sacks of shit. Methamphetamine, of course, is a highly addictive drug that can't be manufactured without a key ingredient of everyday cold and allergy medicine. The bill would impose new limits next month on how much relief a person can buy <laughs> over the counter. Beginning September 30th, it'll take a flash of ID to buy the medication. So there you go. Now you're going to have to identify yourself to the pharmacist when you buy cold medicine. <laughs> because some, some percentage, some microscopic percentage of the population um, uses that privilege to be able to go into a store and purchase cold medicine by buying cases of it and going home and making methamphetamine. And because of that... The majority, and I'm not just talking about majority, like 10% of people are doing it. I'm saying like, you know, less than one hundredth of 1% of the population of the country is using cold medicine to make methamphetamine. And yet, now everybody else has to uh, show their ID. They have to identify themselves. They're keeping track of who's buying the cold medicine. Legislation sponsored by Senators Dianne Feinstein, a Democrat from California, and Jim Talent, the Republican from Missouri, would blanket the nation with one policy 
that would put medicines containing pseudofedrin behind the counter and out of the reach of meth cooks. If we leave it up to local jurisdiction, we're simply going to move the problem from one jurisdiction to another without addressing the root cause, says Fresno, California Police Chief Jerry Dwyer. The police chief loves this. By the way, the cops love this. Anything you make another law to stop people from doing shit, man, they just add more people to the police force. They fucking grow and grow. The cops are out there busy enforcing laws that just are fucking absurd. They stop people from buying sex on the fucking street. Can you imagine what's more invasive than interfering between the private brokerage of cash for sex between a man and a woman? What's more sacrosanct than that? The government sticks his fucking nose in and says, no, 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 you can't have sex with strangers for money. What? Hello? Excuse me? I believe it says right there in the first fucking preamble to the Constitution, the right of pursuit, <coughs> excuse me, of happiness. You must be joking. Who is this hurting? Well, it's hurting the community. Fuck the community. It's my penis we're talking about here. The individual's rights supersede that of the community. <laughs> oh, well, then it goes against God. Well, butt out of that, Jack, because my fucking God says it's A-OK. <laughs> and this is the freedom of religion country, too, isn't it? Well, uh, you can't do it because it's not clean. Okay. Okay, then you know what? Set up a fucking clean whore division. Like you have the FDA checking the meat, have a fucking agency checking the whores. Tax it, make it legal, wrap your little bureaucracy in blue red tape around it, and make it, you know, perfectly okay, like you do everything else. Make it just part of everything else. Gambling, prostitution, drugs. Just make them all another fucking thing like Q-tips and alcohol and tobacco. Let, you know, regulate it and, you know, make sure it's free from fucking uh, rodent droppings and tax it, and but don't control people's consumption of it. Butt the fuck out. <laughs> that should drop the prices on the whores, huh? There's official competition. You imagine what it would cost <laughs> to get a whore in downtown <laughs> Manhattan if they legalized it. Retail coupons in the mail. <laughs> you go to a whore and go, "Yeah, I want a blowjob," and she go twenty five bucks, and you go, "You kidding me? I get it for twenty bucks across the street." <laughs> and she'll go, "Well, no, she's a fucking skank, you know." And you go, "You know what? Close my eyes." She takes out her teeth. Nobody knows the wiser. Uh... All right, I'll do it for 20 bucks. Hey, I got a coupon. <laughs> <laughs> so well, get the fuck time. out of here with your coupon. <laughs> you know what? Go get fucking Greta for his coupon. Boy, you're going to be fucking sorry you pulled the coupon. You imagine what a world it would be if you can walk into any fucking, you know, liquor store and buy a fucking, you know, quarter ounce of herb. <laughs> or, you know, go in, into any major metropolitan area and walk into a casino and put your own fucking hard-earned money at risk for fun 
without the fucking government or the church telling you that you can't fucking do it. Can you imagine such a world where it was okay? And here's a flash. All the people that find it immoral to gamble and find it immoral to use drugs and find it immoral to purchase sex for money, don't do it. Just don't fucking do it. Leave the rest of us alone. And leave the rest of us alone. Oh, you're worried about the children. The children will grow up in a world knowing that there's prostitution and gambling. Well, you know what? They know it. They fucking sing about it. And the world that they live in, all those things are perverted. And they're illegal. So imagine this the same fucking bizarro world, the opposite world where all those things are still there, but they're okay. And we can spend our fucking time worrying about the people over there with the fucking tablecloths on their heads trying to kill us. Instead of worrying about some fucking stoner rolling a fucking <laughs> doobie at home sitting on his couch watching uh, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> That guy's not starting the wars. <laughs> He's not starting the war. <laughs> Don't worry about that guy. <laughs> that's the guy that's going to fucking end the war, though. Eventually, you know, it was the it was the John Lennon's, you know, who who wrote anti-war songs, and and uh, if anybody remembers, you know, cr uh, Christmas of nineteen sixty nine, he took out a full page ad in the New York Times that said in huge letters, the war is over. And in tiny little print at the bottom, it said, if you want it. Merry Christmas from John and Yoko. There's a guy who worked hard for peace. And you know, it's going to take somebody, it's going to take one of you fucking kids, one of you young people who got the strength and the energy and the naivete and the... Uh, idealism to fucking stand up and say this is bullshit this is not what the country we want to be this is not the best fucking usa we can be check this story out an extraordinary family who walk on all fours are being hailed as the breakthrough discovery which could shed light on the moment man first stood upright <laughs> There's an entire family of people who walk on all fours. Scientists believe that the five brothers and sisters found in Turkey could hold unique insights into human evolution. The Kurdish siblings, aged between 18 and 34, from the rural south, bear crawl on their feet and their palms. Study of the five have shown the astonishing behavior is not a hoax, and they're largely unable to walk otherwise. Researchers have found... A genetic connection which accounts for their extraordinary movement. And it could provide invaluable information on how humans evolved from a four-legged hominid into a creature walking on two feet. Two of the daughters and a son have only ever walked on two palms and two feet. But another son and daughter sometimes manage to walk upright. The five can stand upright. So this is they're the fucking missing link. Some can stand upright. Some can't. Right there in this family, the five can stand upright, for, but only for a short time, with both knees and their head flexed. So they can only stand up with their knees bent, and their head like bent, like a monkey. <laughs> the remarkable story is told in a television documentary to be screened next week, which shows scientists studying their movement, but also the struggle to fit in 
with modern society. You imagine these fucking people walking the clap clapping down the streets of the fucking local village. <laughs> Professors uh, uh, Nicholas Humphrey, a, a evolutionary psychologist at the London School of Economics, visited the family twice. He said it's an amazing as an example of a strange, strange aberration of human development. But their interest is how they can live in the modern world. The five are all mentally retarded. Their mother and father, who are closely related and believed to have been uh, handled, uh, or rather handed down a unique combination of genes, which resulted in this behavior. So the mother and father are closely related. We don't know. They may be like brother and sister. For all we know, closely related, you know, is first cousins or closer. So they may be a brother and sister, in which case we're seeing, you know, some kind of throwback to a previous version of humans. Because that's what retarded people are. They're just stupider humans. We call them retarded and we put them on the short bus. But, you know, I mean, some fucking ducks are stupid, too. You know, they don't have a special fucking, you know, uh, music program for them. <laughs> they just die. <laughs> They're like, you know, the hunter fucking points the gun. They all fucking scoot, and the one duck goes, die. What the fuck is that? Blam. Dick Cheney. (laughs) It was Dick Cheney. Gunning for a duck. And, uh, you know, so these fucking brother and sister or whatever, these close relatives had sex and had five children, all five retarded, and they all walk on their fucking hands and feet. Professor Humphrey said he thought the family had reverted to an instinctive form of behavior encoded deep in the brain, but abandoned during evolution. He said, I do not think they were destined to be quadrupeds by their genes, but their unique genetic makeup allowed them to be. It's produced an extraordinary window on our past. It's physically possible, which no one would have guessed from the modern human skeleton. Study of their hands has shown they are heavily calloused because they've been walking like this for years, Professor Humphrey said. However, they arrived at this point. We uh, have adult human beings walking like ancestors several millions of years ago. How fucking amazing is that? The five siblings spend most of their time sitting outside the family's basic rural home. However, one brother travels to the local village where he engages in basic interactions with people. The uh, documentary is to be shown on BBC Two in the United Kingdom. So if you can get a hold of that wherever you are on March 17th, it's called The Family That Walks on All Fours. It's St. Patrick's Day. So, and, uh, you know, the, uh, many of the Irish people are retarded. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> they have a very high rate of retardation in Ireland. It's a small island. Because they drink like, you know, fish while they're pregnant. That whole thing about uh, Irish people drinking, there is not even like the tiniest bit of mythology about that. Uh, the fucking Irish people that I have known, and I spent some heavy, hard-drinking years in my youth, and the Irish people that I knew had hollow fucking legs. I never knew humans that could consume so many alcoholic beverages that contained ether. 
as fucking Irish people. And I'm not. I'm telling you, they didn't become fucking like falling down drunk either. They'd go out and fuck like two chicks. They'd go out to strip clubs, kick the living shit out of somebody. They'd looked at them sideways in the fucking bar. Hostile. hostile yeah, but hostile, but fucking packed with energy. I'll make sure to put a little warning sign as you're going into Idaho. <laughs> Irish pregnant women. You know, the Pry is half Irish, a friend of the uh, station for many, many years, and a fellow that I've known since I was, you know, 14 years old, um, is half Irish and half Italian. His father was Irish, his mother was Italian. Not an uncommon combination in, uh, you know, New York when I was a kid. Irish and Italians, you know, have a lot of common cultural things. And they both, you know, sort of believe in Christ after a fashion, so the religions are somewhat compatible. More compatible than a, you know, Christian and a Jew, certainly. <laughs> Still happens. <laughs> yeah, the Irish and the Italian. And the Pry was a, uh, you know, like a mickwop, I guess you'd call them, <laughs> technically. <laughs> I think that's the official term. Whopping Mickey. <laughs> and he was, um, and he had, let me tell you, man, he had very strong traits of both people. He was a hard, hard, hard partying motherfucker on the one hand. And he was very suave with the women. He, belie I believe, had the most number of women of anybody I've ever personally known. He would frequently have several women at a time and several women on the same day and shit like that. When he was had his motorcycle, his first motorcycle accident where he lost his leg, he was in the hospital maybe a day and a half before he had the nurses sucking his dick. <laughs> I shit you not. Even with somebody in the next bed. <laughs> over. They would close the curtain and he would p use a pillow or something, you know, to muffle his fucking screams of delight. <laughs> he wrote the manual, huh? Yes, so he's you know, not only he had that incredible partying thing going, but he also had that heavy um, chick thing going, like the Italians do. A German farmer confessed to feeding the corpse of an elderly family friend to his pigs. Oh, damn. <laughs> and then stealing from his bank account, police said. Police ruled out murder, and the 29-year-old farmer has been charged with improper burial and fraud. The elderly friend died in the farmer's yard in February of 2005, and the farmer, through his mother, had power of attorney giving him access to the dead man's bank account and pension. So it wasn't he that had the power. It was his mother that had the power. The next-door neighbor trusted his mother, the, the neighbor's mother, you know, probably knew her for years, and said, if something happens to me, you have power of attorney. The fucking son... The guy died in his fucking yard, and the son said, I got a fucking idea. I'll grind him up and feed him to my pigs, and then I'll steal all his shit. <laughs> well, he was already dead, so <laughs> I guess... He was, didn't need it. That was a questionable But call. he didn't have the right to his shit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Such fucking strange uh, species we are. Steal each other's shit. Farmer initially put the corpse in a deep freezer and told curious locals that the man was in a nursing home. Oh, yeah, he went to the nursing home. A couple of weeks back, I heard rumors around the farm. 
From lectures about various religions, the 29-year-old knew that Buddhists either burn the dead or allow wild animals to eat them. That's how he decided to feed the corpse to the pigs. According to the cops, he let the corpse thaw, dismembered it, and fed it to the pigs. He put the parts that the pigs wouldn't eat into a sack, and he buried it. Farmer told the police, It was a great act of stupidity, and the only explanation was his difficult financial situation at the time. Yeah, man, being poor makes you do some fucked up things, makes you really work hard at having scruples. Hey, you tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this uh, Tuesday, uh, March the 7th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Don't fuck with that. Dial. We'll be right back to say tonight.
dark of the moon on the 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling logs. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling hogs. We is heading for Bear on I-10 about a mile out of Shaky Town. I says, Big Ben, this here's a rubber duck and I'm about to put the hammer on down. Tulsa town, we had 85 trucks and all. But there's a roadblock up on the clover leaf, and them bears was wall to wall. Yeah, them smokies as thick as bugs on a bumper. They even had a bear in the air. I says, calling all trucks, this here's a duck. Are we about to go hunting some bear? National Guard. Yeah, there was armored cars and tanks and jeeps and rigs of every size. Them chicken coops was full of bears and choppers filled the skies. Well, we shot the line and we went for broke with a thousand screaming trucks and eleven long-haired friends of Jesus and a chartreuse microbus. Yeah, Sawbuster, listen, you want to put that microbus in there behind that suicide junkie? Yeah, he's all dynamite. He needs all the help he can get. For the Jersey Shore, prepared to cross the line. I could see the bridge was lined with bears, but I didn't have a doggone dime. I says, Big Pen, this here's a rubber duck. We just ain't gonna pay no toll. So we crashed the gate doing 98. I says, Let them truckers roll 10 4 Big Ben, this here's Rubber Duck. We just ain't going to pay no toll. So we crashed the gate doing 98 and said, let them truckers roll 10-4. 10 four. Ten motherfucking four. C.W. McCall and Convoy. Back in the 70s, everybody had a CB radio. And uh, there was no traffic network on the radio. There was no traffic report. You would just get on the radio and you go, uh, looking for a southbounder on the 495 for a peek over your cheek. And that meant I'm looking for somebody going southbound on 495 
for look, you know, tell me how the traffic is for me going the other direction. And he'd say, yeah, you know, I got you here, one-niner. You're looking at the, uh, you know, and everybody had these handles that predated um, internet chatting. That's where this whole tradition of handles started. And he'd say, yeah, you got the low rider here. Heading southbound on 495, you got double nickels all the way, Jack. <laughs> if you're lucky to get that. Or he would say, <laughs> you got a, a you know, uh, there's a bear handing out tickets to the ball. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, right there, driving up 9593, mama mark right there, you got a bear sitting on the side. That's like, exactly what, what it sounded. <laughs> That's right. There was there's it was the special lingo. And if you went on road trips, which I did very frequently as a youngster, having a CB was a very cool thing. You could start up chats with other folks on the CB. It was really an amazing way of communicating. You know, Americans have this very distinct and cool trait and tradition of chatting with total strangers. It's an amazing thing. Going way back to ham radio days when folks would just, you know, build these kits and, you know, set up a big antenna on the front lawn and try and fucking chat with somebody, you know, 300 miles away. And what do they talk about? What's the weather? What's the fucking local baseball team doing? Bullshit. It's a great fucking tradition of reaching out to strangers. And the CB phenomenon was very cool. Of course, I was one of the first people to get a you know top of the line system in my fucking car, Gold Duster, like CB radio sex type thing. There was no sex at all. It was completely forbidden to swear, and it was completely forbidden to be sexual. Everything and everybody followed the rules. It was unbelievable. Wow! You never fucking heard people <laughs> swearing, and you never heard people saying dirty shit to chicks because if you did then the truckers who heard you would truck would hunt you down and kill you <laughs> and you fucking knew it. they were like the unofficial and let me tell you there was a special channel monitored by the police too you could turn to channel 9 the emergency channel and report somebody broken down on the side of the road and the cops were always tuning in to the CB that reminds me of the uh, sh the sh patrol at the courthouse couple weeks ago when I had to go. The what patrol? <laughs> the sh patrol. Oh, there was cops standing around <laughs> telling you to shut up? <laughs> this big fat sheriff deputy. That's a great use of the taxpayer's <laughs> money. He's sitting in his chair looking at people. Hey, hey. I'm looking at you, fucker. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Zip it. <laughs> well, it's important, to have those, <laughs> it's important to have those people. They make the wheels of justice grind. <laughs> Special thanks go out this evening to all our listeners in the United States, Canada, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, China, People's Republic of Saudi Arabia, South Africa, Antigua, and Barbuda. There's apparently one person listening on each island. Argentina, Slovak Republic, and Sweden. And to all those listening everywhere in the world, special, extra special thanks. Bob the Engineer has asked me to remind you that if you've missed any portion of this evening's broadcast... It will be recast at 2 a.m. and then 2 p.m. the next day, all times Eastern. Check your local listings. Uh, check the handy-dandy time conversion gizmo on the Jester Radio homepage. And while you're there, feel free to browse the Jester Radio official tchotchke store 
where you can load up on genuine JR crap. And there's a gift. There's a uh, holiday coming up soon, isn't there? Easter or something. There's Easter. That's very good. A lot of people are looking around for Easter gifts. Uh, Dolly the receptionist barbecue apron is just the perfect thing, don't you think? Oh, yeah. We're still working on that. Uh, Do they barbecue thing, right? on Easter? Is that part of the Easter thing? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. What ham is the, or something, isn't it? Do they bury ham around the front lawn? <laughs> no. They what hide, is it? They hide the eggs. What is the deal with the eggs? For the, for the kids. Why are they? Why do they hide the eggs? I have no idea. From what I understand, back in the pagan days, it was supposed to represent fertility and all that. So, you know, but the pagans were a different be, religion. Uh, yeah, it's supposed Easter to be is a Christian. Stolen traditions or stolen symbols from the uh, the pagan religion. What's the point of that? Hell, if I know. Unoriginal white guys <laughs> preaching Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it leads you to believe that these holidays are really n not at all about what they claim to be about. <laughs> it's just another opportunity to get everybody into fucking church on a regular basis. Yeah, just tell them it's about the resurrection of Christ. But didn't that happen in the winter? Yes, but we have a holiday in the winter. Yeah, it's already taken up. <laughs> We can't have another holiday in the winter. No, it's like uh, it's like an annual seminar. You know. Well, how do we get the children to come and pay attention? I don't know. Let's make up some game. The pagans have a fun game. Let's steal that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's eggs and this this whole thing related to fertility and burying and finding. Fine, whatever. Get them into church and <laughs> engage the children with the fun game, and. Uh, <laughs> There's a funny bit by Ed I Eddie Izzard that uh, you know the, the 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 eggs are made of chocolate and the chocolate is brown like the cross that Jesus was nailed to. And there's your connection right there. It's to remind us of the wooden cross. And and you should remind your children as they're enjoying their chocolate eggs. That it symbolizes the wood of the cross upon which Jesus was nailed. Um, thanks uh, also to uh, Sid the neighbor, and uh, thanks to all those that sent in their requests. You know I love you, and that's why I miss you already. Please be uh, impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always, always do your best, and remember... We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. That's my solemn oath to you. Until that time, Hustis, be good to each other. Good night. See you tomorrow.